Hello again, this is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AMA 20, where the facts matter. Patrick is making funny faces at me, so if I start giggling, we're going to put all the blame and everything on him. Patrick, if you don't mind, since I threw you under the bus already, can you tell us a little bit about your company and give us how to, how do people contact you? I am a real estate lawyer. My company is called Loftus The best Law. real estate lawyer, I might add. Possibly the best real estate <laughs> lawyer. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, my my makeshift meme uh, after last week's uh, episode, but uh, I'll repost it for the tens of people that are gonna see that. But uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can call or text seven seven three six three two eight three three zero. Sounds good. 773-632-8330. And Joey's not with us today. He works with the Federal Savings Bank. His phone number is 630-235-2405. Both of our hosts on this show are phenomenal about just helping people um, and answering questions. So no matter what's going on, always feel welcome to reach out to either one of these two people. And I know the same answer is going to be for Beth Repta. She's our guest host today. Um, one more thing I want to add, too, about we are streaming on YouTube and Facebook. So please and thank you in advance. Uh, smash that like button, subscribe button, do everything you can. We're on our way to a million followers I mean, we're 998,000 short of it, but we're on our way. So please go ahead and try and follow us. Beth, if you don't mind, tell us about your business and yourself. Say hello to some special people. Oh, yeah. Give us the rundown. All right. Uh, so um, my name is Beth Rapta. I have been selling real estate for, I lost track, I think 16 or 17 years at this point. Um, my company, I'm super excited. I recently just merged with another big real estate team. So we are living in Chicagoland. And that is comprised of, here, here's where the shout outs come in. So that is uh, comprised of uh, my, my original team, which is myself, Donna Rosen, Ariana McLeod. Uh, we joined forces with um, Zimmerman Property Group to make Livy in Chicagoland. So that is uh, Joe Zimmerman and Megan Ryan, Kelly Boenzi, Jess. Jess, I'm going to totally botch your last name. <laughs> just We're going to call Jess K. Um, Darla, who just recently joined our team. Um, and yeah, we there. It's it's fun. We're having a really good time. We're all of the the two teams that came together. Uh, we're I hate to say veteran because it makes me sound very old, but I guess that's what we would be considered. We're like veteran agents. And, no, uh, I love all that. Yeah. So I'm uh, also, uh, aside from being a realtor, I'm a mom. I have a 13-year-old daughter, Ava Elizabeth, and a an 11-year-old son, Mason John. And uh, my husband is Ryan, and we live out in Cary. That's outstanding. Yeah. So every time I now there there were two children, right? Because I heard only two names. Two. I don't know. Well, I heard Hopefully two names. Not a third. I heard two names for each <laughs> one of them, and the only time my middle name gets used oh, no, is when no. I'm in trouble. Well, that's that's All you're right. right about that. That's why I threw the middle names in there because most of the time that's how they're being referenced. So. No, I they're got good. you there. They're good kids. Now, one of the things we usually do is we talk about rates and try to forecast on what's going on in the real estate market. And, you know, just to give people a little preparation on how they can do things, you know, a little bit better, I guess. And Joey usually tells us what the rates are, the bonds, and how that's affecting the real estate loan mortgages. And obviously, he's not with us here. But a lot of crazy stuff has been happening over the last week or two. Mm -hmm. You want to expound on that a little bit? Well, I mean, they're just, it's all over. It's all over the place. And I think, honestly, I think after the new year, I just felt a sense that our consumers are finally settling in with the rate that, and coming to terms with the fact that we're most likely not going to see 3% rates again for no. a very long time. I think it was a little bit of a shock to the system, you know, late fall you know, late summer, fall when this was happening. And then I think now people understand that, you know, we're going to probably live hopefully in the fives soon, I hope. I and think it's I fluctuating th around there right now, don't mm -hmm. you? I think this is where we're going to 
be. And I think that the consumers are finally accepting that that's how it's going to be. Yeah, if, if I can get used to spending $15 on lunch at a, at a fast food joint, um, then uh, real estate purchasers can get used to a 5.5% interest rate, I think. You know, I, I started in the fire service in 1980, and we, and um, I started in North Brook in 1988. And so back in 1988, we would all pitch in money to go grocery shopping and buy meals for the day. We would buy lunch and dinner, you know, for the day. And we would have six people that would pitch in money. And when I started, it was $3 each person would pitch in. You know, can you picture that? So we had $18 to go and purchase two sets of meals for six eaters, you know, and I'm not talking about diet people. <laughs> you know, they wanted big eating stuff that goes on there. And I think when I left, which was like five years ago, we were over $20 a day. You know, it's just amazing how things were increasing as much as they did. One, one of the things we were chatting about earlier before we started broadcasting was... You know, who comes in and and how we can, you know, watch the market and see what's going on. And I, I think the first step is always going to be people get to meet a real estate agent. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And kind of at the same time, and, and both of you jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of at the same time, that's when the person who's looking to buy a house is going to, you want to get them pre-approved. You want to do that right away because that's pretty important. Correct me if again, if I'm wrong, on what kind of house or what size house or neighborhood or everything else that's going in there, money talks, you need to know what that's going to be. And then you go ahead and, and you get them signed under contract so they get it. And that's where we come in as a home inspection company. We're kind of the next players that get involved in there. And Patrick, you're kind of at the end you know, with the attorney after the contract is signed or ready. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, I'd say most of the time I get called. In fact, just driving over here from breakfast, I got a call from somebody saying, I'm just about to go under contract to buy a condominium and I'm looking for a real estate lawyer. And that's generally about the time that I would uh, get that phone call or that email or, you know, however they're reaching out to me. And how have you seen the market happening? For you, for your business? You know, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because my business is going to be more of a lagging indicator in terms of uh, when I get involved into the process will be probably a few weeks after somebody has begun uh, with with their agent or with the lender, whoever is sort of that, that first person. So uh, I would be if I'm looking to kind of forecast at least the short-term future, I would be asking mortgage brokers, I'd be asking mm -hmm. uh, someone like Beth about how many people, how many new prospects have contacted them, mm -hmm. how many pre-approvals has Joey written, um, et cetera. So Beth, maybe, maybe I would just toss that over to you. Yeah, no, I think um, connecting with a lender is, is a really good indicator. Um, I will say after the new year, I definitely felt more of an influx of people calling. Um, so I think that is a really good indicator that after the new year, people are like, like I said, they settled in with the interest rates. They accept the fact that this is where we're going to be. And um, for anyone that was sitting on the sidelines, now I feel like people are going to be jumping back in. It did. I mean, it was quiet, though. Late it summer, was quiet. fall, it was quiet. Um, but... I am very optimistic about this year. And guess what? Honestly, I mean, I just know that um, for me, for our team, we're just, we just, I'm less concerned about how the market's performing and I'm more concerned about what I am personally going to be doing. Well, let's right? talk about that. I'm, I'm really curious. First of all, I want to know more about your team because yeah. that helps me, you know, try to figure out what numbers are good and what numbers are, are not so good. How many people are on this team? I know you listed a whole bunch of names and I didn't write them all down. Um, so we have, uh, in terms of sales, let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six producing agents. Wow. And three... Licensed real estate brokers. Licensed real estate brokers. Wow. Three administrative staff. We also have a um, inside sales agent as well. And then through our partnership with Livian, um, we have a lot of back-end support as well from Livian. So Livian provides us with a whole extra layer 
of support staff as well. So we have um, we have a lot of help, and our team will be growing. We're looking to expand and take on another. I'd say probably in the end, probably about 24 agents, producing agents total, over the next. Now, is your goal to keep these spread out all over Chicagoland or focus mostly in the Northwest? No, we service all of Chicago, which is really one of the main reasons why we wanted to come together. Geographically, it made sense for us. I was covering the Northwest suburbs, North and Northwest. um, And then Joe was covering the city, or still covers the city. Um, Megan Ryan covers the North Shore, um, Evanston, Winnaka, Wilmette, all of that whole area. And then um, Kelly is covering the Western Burbs. And so um, it was just it just made really good sense. And our admin team, too, made really good sense. We just fit together like a puzzle piece. We've known each other for a long time. Um, we've been with Keller Williams for a long time. So we were already kind of using the same playbook, if you will. And so just really we have a lot of the whole team just kind of has the same very similar mindset, very similar work ethic. And it just it just worked. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about that mindset. I know one of the things that you shared with me, I, I, I shared with you like a graph how we track how many inspections our companies do, and we can go back five years. So data is very important to me. And I'm hearing that's the same thing that's important to you. Oh, yeah. What? Where do you get this data from? What type of data? How does that influence how you communicate? I got like 6,000 questions, oh, and I could keep man. hammering them at you. Like you are talking to... No the biggest dork when it comes to data. I love it. I love it. So we track everything. I mean, I tra- I have tracked my listing appointments. So like I loved that you tracked your inspections like per week. I track my listing appointments per month and have since 2017. So that's a really solid indicator of how things are going to go, right? And that's all up to me. Like I have to be setting like at least two appointments a week. Um and that's like that. I mean, we track all of our prospects, how many calls we make, how many texts we send, how many emails we send. I track all my listing appointments. I mean, we track everything. And then on top of it, add another layer on. That's just our activities, right? That's right. Our prospecting activities. Then you throw another layer in um, where we're tracking what is actually happening in the market down to the week just like you and your inspections, right? Because it is, like, data in real estate is difficult because we were talking at breakfast, right? There's a lag of data. Like, people are analyzing, you know, making important decisions off of data, off of closed data that happened six months ago, right? Okay. Um, But if we can start to analyze data differently and get it a little bit more granular, you know, here in Chicago, it's hard because you are relying on the MLS. The MLS has data that comes out monthly. By then, it's like late already in my mind. So if you are able to track weekly data with how many new listings are coming, um, how many uh, contract, like how many you know uh, pendings do we have per week, that that is where you can get um, granular, help your clients make better decisions. Um, and not only do you have to track it, you have to know how to interpret that too. So I'm I'm a dork. Yeah, I, I think what you just said is is really important to highlight, and, and that is, it's not just having the numbers available because every agent that's a member of the MLS has access to this data. Mm-hmm. What data are you looking at? Uh, if you're looking at a number that is uh, for like all of Chicagoland. It's an interesting number, but it's probably not one that I'm going to use for a specific in a specific neighborhood right. or suburb. Um, but I do often see, certainly in the press, but even um, you know when people are casually talking about real estate, these numbers get thrown about. Um, with that, I don't think the level of scrutiny or, or the, the level of understanding of, of what that number means and what does it mean to me as a homeowner of this home? It, and how do I take action on it? it? Or how do I use it to my benefit? I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you are like screaming my language right now, honestly. If you even dissect my little hometown of Cary, right? Even in that town, it's a small town. Even the price points perform differently. It's that grand. It's that you drill down that much. The the 200, 300 price point totally is different than the 500, 600,000. They just perform differently. Um, but you really need to 
understand that and look at it. So you could take, yeah, you could talk generally about what's happening in the nation or what's happening in Chicago. But you're right. It's it's irrelevant. It's really hyper local. You know, I can equate that to. Like, you know, people always ask me, well, should I do a radon test, you know? And I think it's a blanket. I'd love to get your two opinions on that. I mean, if somebody tells you a client that's buying a house and they want to know if I should get a radon test done, what do you guys tell them just out of curiosity and see if I can argue with you? Yes. You just say yes, blanket. Get a radon test. Okay. See, Charlie, I already know what your answer is going to be. So I'm... So I'll tell you, I'll try to tell you what my answer would have been before <laughs> I know what your answer is going to be, because otherwise I love it. I'll just parrot your answer. Um, you know, if they if they get one, great. It's something that perhaps uh, is actionable, or if it reveals that that the radon is at acceptable levels, then fine. I would say if someone came to me and they said you know, my family has a history of lung cancer or I have, um, you know, a relative with COPD uh, who's going to be spending a lot of time at the home or, or, or one of my, or my spouse. High or risk something. factor, absolutely. I would say, yeah, I would err on the side. And, and I'm a lawyer. I'm generally going to give the most conservative uh, advice when mm-hmm. it comes to that. It's the only thing you can really call me conservative about. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'll generally give the more conservative advice just because there's less I told you so is afterward. Yeah. Um, but you know that said, it's okay either to not take the most conservative approach uh, and, and not get a radon test, or, or or get one. So, as always, my answer is it depends. I love it. <laughs> you know, for us, we do have the ability to look up by zip code. You know, so you're talking about going back to the data. We could know that what was the absolute highest reading that was ever found in that zip code. We know how many tests were done in that zip code. And we can also figure out what the average rating is. All right. So don't get me wrong. I am an advocate for testing for radon. What I'm not an advocate for is paying us to test for radon. Everything in my business always comes down to risk and rewards. And I think that's where you're going as well, you know, on how you help your clients in using that data, using that knowledge, and we can help them with the risk and the rewards that they're going to get. You know, for example, I'm trying to look up the website real quick right now so I can go ahead and and look up yours. Did you need my answer to be longer just so that you have a little bit more time on the, uh, on the old <laughs> Google machine? Not at all. What I, what I do want to get is, is, Beth, what is the zip code that you live in? Six zero zero one three. Six zero zero one. This is fascinating. I did not know that there was data like this. Yeah. Uh oh. New so data. New data. Here's your zip code for when it comes to radon. All right. Over a hundred homes were tested for radon in that zip code. Forty-eight percent of them came in above the action level. The action level is four point zero picocuries per liter. That's what the EPA recommends that we're going to go ahead and. Uh, put in a mitigation system. A mitigation system, I've seen them as cheap as $1,000 and as much as $2,000, all right? Um, the highest reading ever found in that zip code was 23 picocuries, and the average of all the tests done together are going to be 5.1 picocuries, so a little bit over that 4.0. So what that means to me is we charge $250 to do a radon test. You can buy a charcoal canister at any Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, whatever, and those things, including the lab fees, are going to be under 30 bucks. So you're... So you're an advocate for because I get asked. I get asked I just all the go time to Home too. Depot and get a. It depends what the risk and the rewards are. All right. So in this situation, you your choices are simple. You could pay us two hundred and fifty dollars, and you're going to have a forty eight percent chance that you have the ability to negotiate for up to two thousand dollars. Or you could wait until you take ownership of the house because you can't do a test in somebody else's house without a license. You know, you can spend $30 and then you have a 48% chance that you're going to be spending one to $2,000 installing a radon mitigation system. So everything comes down to risk and rewards is how I look at it. And, and the reason why I threw that out there is because I want to hear more about how you use the data that you find as accurate as you can to help. And you're, you're more of a listing agent than, than taking buyers out, right? Mm-hmm. 
How do you use that to help your clients as far as repairs that are needed, knowing what's going on, listing prices? I know there's a big gambit of things that people have to do. But before you answer that question, I want to go around the horn. If you don't mind, we're going to start with Patrick. I know I'm such a teaser. So, Patrick, how do people get hold of you, please? So let me get this straight. You're going to ask like a 70-second question and then go, and just before, is this us a teaser? Uh-huh. Oh. It's what I do. You know, uh, I actually measure all my recipes in Pico Curie's per liter. Um, big fan. Madam Curie, that got big. named after her for radium. Yeah. And that's the real danger of radon is the radium, not the radon. Big fan of that, <laughs> that I'm a unit nerd. of measure. I'm a nerd, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning that. I just go, is it four or more? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seven seven three six three two eight three three zero. Call or text. And that's Loftus Law or Loftus Hyphen Law dot com. Loftus dot Law. Loftus dot Law dot com. Yeah. Thank you. And Beth, how do people get hold of you? And what's your website? And you give wanna, us some details. You want to know something funny? I've never advertised this before, but this is the truth. Okay. My phone number is eight four seven six six eight Beth. I didn't see that. Mm. Two, three, eight, four. That spells out Beth, huh? Uh, yeah. Um, a decision that I made in the year 2000, well before I was a realtor, and I've never advertised that that is my phone number, but it is. I'm going to throw out a plug for an old home <laughs> inspector that I knew in the south suburbs. I don't know if he's still working anymore, but his name was Lee Hill. And he captured the phone number as 312-708, everything else. When you call Lee Hill, you get Lee Hill. You know, and I actually like that, you uh-huh. know. But my phone number doesn't meet that at all. Oh so my. the name of our company is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. Always want to push a plug for our home inspection training program. Anybody who's interested in that, it's Home Inspection University of Illinois. And that website is HIUIL.com. And again, the phone number is 312-544-9180. You're going to get a prompt on there, and number two is going to say if you want to talk to an actual human being, um, you just press two, and believe it or not, that'll bring you straight to me. So, Beth, before I went ahead and cut everything off, <laughs> we want, I was asking you about how do you use that data to benefit oh. your client, and what data are you going after? Okay, so before you know, I get a call and somebody will say, hey, I want you to come out and take a look at the house. We're thinking about listing. And before I meet my uh, potential clients, I will, and even if I've worked in this town a million times before, you know, data changes, so I'm always looking, but I go in and I look at um, InfoSparks. And just to see. Give us a little more for somebody who doesn't know what InfoSparks is. It's an aggregate data that's the data that we have through the MLS. Okay. And so you can look at things like average sales price. You can look at days on market. You could look at days from um, contract or from listing to contract, how many days that is. You could look at contract to close. What's the average? You can look at how many showings per, per, um, uh, per listing. There's a lot of good information. Um, the only and, I, and it is helpful, and those are your like key economic indicators. How often do they update that? Every month, which Every month. Okay. I have a problem with that. Okay, explain. If Emrad is listening, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I sure just, they are. We, you we, know, we, why you wouldn't know, they be? I hope so, <laughs> because I we need we need real time data. We need real time data. Okay. Uh, I don't want to wait for a month for things to come out. Things change drastically in a month. And things change drastically in a week. Yeah, and it's the year 2023, right? You're talking, hey, that's my had... favorite line when it comes to, can you fax that to me? That's yeah. my favorite oh, answer. I just had, you know? I was on vacation and a robot delivered my food to my table. We can have real-time data in real estate for Chicago. We are the third largest major metro. Come on. All right. All right. That's my soapbox. I'm off of it. <laughs> Stay and, on it. Oh. And that raw data, it's it's available, right? I mean, it's yeah. If you tracked it yourself, which is it's difficult. It is difficult. It's difficult to do that when I'm you know in the middle of negotiating contracts. And all. Yeah. I mean, I I could do that. It takes time, and I feel like I'm paying a service that should be able to provide that anyway. So I do look at all of that first, and that's really important so that I can set the tone for okay. Hey, look, we're 
we're still low days on market. Somebody's going to want to know from me, hey, how long is this whole process going to take? Um, and so I can walk in and accurately say, you know, based on the data that I have, I know that from beginning to end, it's probably going to take 60 days, 90 days. And I think that, you know, the average list price to sales price ratio is going to be, hey, look, people are still getting 100% of ask. Or now we've dropped and we're and you can expect that we're going to negotiate like 2% off the list price. So having those, all of that top line data is really helpful. Okay. And then I drill down into the comps. So now I'm looking at, I have a 555 system that I use. I like five closed comps, five under contract, and five active, which has been hard to find, but that's what I try to do. Is um, the inventory low now? Is that what you're it, saying? Yeah. I mean, it's okay. still low. And, and we were talking about this at breakfast. It's, you know, people want to make those blanket statements about the real estate market, but, um, and, you know, I've heard everything from just going to wait till the market drops. Well, guess what? I mean, I'm looking here. I just had this market stats pulled up. I think, uh, and again, I don't want to generalize because I don't like when people talk about Chicagoland. But <laughs> just to just to give you an, an idea of where we're at, let's see here. We're in all of Chicagoland. So this is like the six collar six six collar counties. We are at on a rolling three months for single family homes attached and detached. We are at a one point nine month supply of inventory. All right. And so so that's just under two months, obviously, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's very low. It's low. I mean, for look, this time of year, because yeah. that does change too, don't we? I mean, we have steady sure. graphs that happen. We're we're yeah. still, I think, in the slow season, right? I mean, Patrick, you we're you, we're, we're we're teetering on the busy season, yeah. but uh, yeah. And I've noticed pickup already in our mm-hmm. business. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, I mean, your months pipe inventory for a balanced market is good around five six months. So we are still low, and I think we're going to stay wow. here for a while. I mean, I didn't realize that five or six months is the norm to sell a house. Mm-hmm. And you should have seen it what it was in two thousand seven or eight. Hmm. What I was mean, that like a year? Oh my gosh! In some markets, like I'll, you know what? What's really fascinating was Barrington Hills was like three year supply of inventory in 08. It was those are big numbers though. Yeah. We need to get out in Barrington. And those numbers didn't even reflect the shadow inventory of mm-hmm. houses that were in default, going through foreclosure, et cetera. There were so many houses going into foreclosure that the banks simply didn't have the capacity to, to run them all through their, mm-hmm. their system. Explain shadow inventory, please. I, I, I know you're kind of doing it now, but give me a better idea on it, please. Um, Beth, you probably have just, a, a better idea than it's I all would. That back, it was that back inventory that was sitting on the books at the bank that just wasn't reflected in any numbers. It was there, but they, it wasn't actively like on the market. I heard rumors that they were holding properties back. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, whether they were intentionally holding properties back or just didn't have the capacity, I suppose I was being kind to them when I said that they, they, you know, there's only so many receivers out there who can manage a real estate portfolio uh, of real estate you never intended to own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if a house, say for example, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds in the foreclosure process because that's a different show, but um, it, a house... It, they don't. They don't necessarily. The bank that is uh, go through the foreclosure process at lightning speed as fast as they can. Uh, there's things that they're considering and thinking about that even I'm not aware of uh, that go into that uh, that calculation. But you might see a house get uh, scheduled for a sheriff sale, for example, three, four times even before they actually move forward with it um, for lots of reasons. Uh, but yeah, if, if a house, let's say a house on average takes 18 months perhaps to go from default to actually uh, being sold at a sheriff's sale, that's a house that is uh, eventually going to go on the market, um, but it's it's not um, it's not on the market yet. Mm-hmm. So no, I got you. What do you, and and help my little feeble mind here. What do you mean by you know, sheriff's sale, and then you use another term, use de- default. Does this mean when somebody first stops stops making payments on the house, and then they get evicted? Where does where does that begin from those points? Yeah, so I mean, you first would uh, be usually people don't typically stop making payments. They're they usually it's they're unable to make the payment. Um, Absolutely, I'm a firm believer that was the biggest cause of 
the, the old 708 crash. Yeah. You know, they I mean, wanted to keep their homes. Of course, there's exceptions, but yeah, yeah, everyone needs a place to live, and nobody really, nobody, I hate that word, um, very few people feel comfortable walking away from a debt that they owe. Um, it's just human nature, I think, or at least it's it's the way most of us were brought up. Um, I have a different take on it because I come at it from a more professional viewpoint of, uh, you know, not every decision that a lender makes is going to be a good one. Uh, and that's why the foreclosure process exists. That's why we have mortgages. Um, and if you end up in a situation where it makes more sense to stop paying um, from a from the financial perspective of you and your family, then then the bank made a, a bad business decision making that loan to you. And there's nothing, there's, that, doesn't, that doesn't impugn you as an immoral person or amoral person. You, you've, you've made a decision that benefits you and your family. Um, and I'm going to argue that just a little bit. I mean, there's, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not trying to be mean or, or argumentative. In a, uh, it's just I'm a believer that I, I know everybody points the fingers at the banks. I get that. All right. But the one thing that nobody ever talks about and brings up, that in 2007, right before that light switch hit and all of a sudden real estate turned down, our gasoline prices went from basically $2.50 to $4.50 a gallon. And we're, this is back in 2007. We were complaining about it in today's dollars, let alone nearly 20 years ago dollars when it comes in there. That, that's a huge amount of money. And I had neighbors where I used to live that were driving to Chicago each day, and they were doing 40 miles round trip or more every single day. That's a huge bill that you have to pay to put gas in your car. So you got to cut things out if you don't have enough money. You're going to cut out travel. You're going to cut out entertainment. And those were the industries that lost their jobs first. And then those are the people that couldn't be paying their stuff and well, who do we want to dunk on first, banks or or big oil companies? I mean, I'm I'm happy. I you know <laughs> just feed, feed me the ball, I'll dunk on them all day long. I hear you. Um, you know, they're the they're the folks that are in, in the better position to absorb a loss like that. You know, your individual family uh, is really not in nearly the kind of position uh, to to absorb a, a big devastating loss. So you know, I'm. I'm more than happy to uh, advise someone that they need to prioritize their family, not this obligation they owe to a bank that doesn't particularly care uh, how successful they and they fa their family are. Um, but there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of hurdles that a bank needs to jump over between the moment that you are unable to make your payment and the moment that uh, the home is sold at a sheriff's sale. Uh, and, and eventually, if you don't voluntarily vacate, uh, there would be an eviction action taken. Um, and and it's, to, it's meant to protect families. You don't want people being thrown out no. on the street. Um, and Illinois is, is particularly, um, let's just say, sensitive to, to the, the more to the consumer than to, to the bank. And, or the business or the owner of the building, if it's a rental. Absolutely. Sure. And you know, we, we could go down that road, and, yeah. and we have, and I'm sure we will in the future. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that is a long process, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure how we we turned off on this tangent. Can but, I add uh, to that please. too? You're talking about a time too, and all that's going on. And I'm looking at this, going back to data, 16.7 months supply of inventory. So we'll like, explain what that means. So like, even if you tried to list this house, I mean, your equity's gone. The supply is so high. I mean, it, like, there's no. You as a buyer, like, is this just sunk prices because there's so much inventory? So you, I mean, like that was the dead opposite of where we're at now. I mean, 16.7 months supply. I'm the graph I'm looking at anyway, in for all of Chicagoland. That was in June of 2009, and like where we're at today in December. And that was recovery mode. Yeah, and then we're at 1.9 month supply now. Wow. So like it's funny when people are like, yeah, I'm gonna wait till the market like tanks. I'm like, okay. I mean, we're nowhere near that. <laughs> like, yeah. But to, but to bring up your point about foreclosures too. I mean, even if you tried to list your house on that in that marketplace, and I mean, there's no equity. There's not. I mean, it was it was, it was man. Yeah. Well, you started we back then too, didn't yeah. you? I did a little sure, bit yeah. of research on on you before we bring anyone on the show. I want to make sure that they're passionate and devoted to this profession. 
And that's you started like one of the worst, absolute worst times in the world to get into real estate. It was, um, gosh, we have like three more hours to talk about like how (laughs) it's just crazy. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, I, I left my Walgreens corporate job in March of 2007 and everything seems great, right? I mean, everything seemed great. I caught the very tail end of that extreme market. And then, you know, um, September of 2007 hits and like, it's just- It was a light switch. Lights out. And I was living in the city and I feel like I was, I think I told you, I I was like curled up in a ball, like crying like a little baby for a couple months, just trying to figure out what my next move was. Because I just walked away from my corporate job that I had to make this work. And so I just did whatever it took. I mean, I would take renters. I would do everything, anything. And then I started taking um, folks that did not want to live in the city anymore. I started taking them out um, and wrapping them in the suburbs. And so that's kind of how I carved my path. Um, Even though I was living in the city, I knew the suburbs well enough. And and a lot of city agents didn't want to leave the city they didn't want to show the suburbs, and um, so yeah, that's how I made it out alive. I even see new agents today starting out that route. You know, they go after the rental markets, mm-hmm. and smart. I, I think so too. You're building relationships, and that's what this mm-hmm. business is really about. A lot of people don't realize. You know, one of my favorite questions is asking a real estate agent is, well, "What do you sell?" And if they tell me, "Well, I sell houses," of course, you big dummy. The answer is wrong. You know, you sell yourself, mm-hmm. and you have to build those relationships, and you have to get them to like you, to know you, and most of all, trust you to be that person. And if you can get somebody on the rental market, and they're going to keep moving up, then they're going to keep pushing it to be buyers and sellers sometime in the future. And and that's how we build our reputation, which is should be the three most important words in real estate reputation 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 yeah and i'm and patrick i'm sorry you know i'm on my soapbox about that (laughs) word i apologize but but i want to hear more about the data stuff so i am going to turn this back a little bit um you were you made a comment before about you know making the market something that it is not can you go into more detail about that what you mean Well, like we were talking about before, people make very generalized statements about what's happening in real estate, and it's it's so hyper-local. I mean, we talked before about, like, even in one town, one very small town, the performance of sales in a couple different price brackets is it can be vastly different. So you do need to um, understand how to interpret that data and how it applies to your own particular situation. But I think... um, Lately, I've heard a lot of people just sitting on the sidelines, waiting till, either waiting till the spring, or just waiting in general. And the one thing that I think about that the waiting is this: this is what I've told so many people lately on my listing appointments. I'm like, you know, the best time to sell your house is the time that there's no competition. And so you have to know that there's no. I mean, like, yeah, I, I know, I get it. You have a beautiful yard, and you want to show off your landscaping, and you, you know, you want the flowers to bloom. Cool. Yeah. But the best time and the time that you're going to make the most money is when no one else is on the market and you control it. And that's where we're at right now, where I've seen in Cary, and I keep going back to Cary. Well, that's your hometown. That's you're mostly home. familiar well, with I'm, it. I'm so intimately familiar with this data. I actually put a Facebook post out there a couple of days ago, and I said, attention. Carry friends, there are no houses for sale between 450 and 650. So just give me wow. a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Four properties were pending. I don't know. I haven't looked today, but that's that was a couple days ago. Two hundred thousand dollar price swing, and you have nothing to buy in the yeah. whole town. And right? I know, like in Riverside, um, I, I think there's 15. Let's give a shout out to Riverside. That's where my partners, Kelly and Joe, live. Nice. So, yeah. I didn't know that. I just threw it out there. Don't ask me why. I knew Riverside only has 15 listings from top to bottom. It's a cool town, too. It is a cool town, except they got too many winding roads. They need to straighten them all out. I can't find my way around there. I always end up wherever I started from. You know, it's a horrible town. (laughs) Wasn't it? I'm going to totally botch this, but this I like brought this up to them like recently. Wasn't that whole town developed by the same person that developed the World's Fair? That I don't know. I'm it rings a bell, like right? Uh, Olmstead, right? Yep. I think he didn't he design Central or Park or whatever. Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah. No, they'll correct me. I'll hear about this later. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up and, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll I'll throw I'll, I will correct any errors uh, uh, on Instagram later. Anybody <laughs> could throw comments up there at any time. It's yeah, always yes. a good thing. If anyone knows, if uh, you know, if you're if you're listening and, you, and either you you Google it or, or you actually know, throw throw it up there, there for us. Because there is some really cool history there, but um, but to your point, I mean, like. You're you're spot on. I mean, there's just such limited competition, and it's it's definitely like suburb to suburb, and it even could be as granular as like like I'm saying, even the price points could be performing differently. So it's just important that um, that you understand that. Well, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but every person that you meet with on a listing appointment, they're going to come at it from whatever perspective they have at that moment and they will have done some of their own you know, done their own research mm-hmm. so to speak they'll mm-hmm. have looked at zillow they'll have googled this that or the other thing and um it, it's incumbent upon you I, I would imagine to educate them and and by having concrete in, instead of just saying well i think i believe you show them you say this is what the market is right now and so I'm going to give you some different advice uh, and, and what I think is better advice than what you may have Googled or what your neighbor might have said. They are, in a lot of the times, their research is active properties on the market, mm. right? <laughs> Where they're like, well, so-and-so, I just had this the other day. And a guy says, well, you priced it at X, but I see that this property that has been active for 74 days is priced higher than me. I'm like, well you know think about what you just said yeah that's why it's you know still on the market that thing and no one's bidding right yeah learn from it yeah exactly and and the big fear that you're that that you need to combat is the the fear that every seller has that they're going to sell their place for less than it's worth i think every single seller has that fear and Mm -hmm. you know how do you deal with that fear is if you hadn't learned in the past two years like how how the market can drive up the price i mean like it is it was, it was crazy so the last two years i have spreadsheets on spreadsheets you guys i there in april of 2021 i listed five homes in a week and i had 46 offers in, in over five houses five houses 46 offers i had to call in my team on the weekend, offers were flying all over the place. They're ending yeah. up in spam. I'm like, oh my gosh, this that is not madness. And um, if that right then didn't teach me that the that the market can demand, like you can actually, yes, there's bidding wars and they can come up over list price. And it happened. Yeah. It happened every single time for two and a half years straight, almost that we were in a multiple offer situation. Um, I could sell a house with a buzzing tower in the back. That was the view. And I was like, oh, I don't know, this might take longer than three days. And then I was like, oh, no, it didn't. And here's seven offers coming at me. I mean, so to your point, when you're talking about, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to underprice my house or I'm going to sell it for less than it's worth. No, you're not. It's whatever the market bears. No, and I love I it. I learned that. Um, so deeply over the past two years, two and a half years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt just a little bit. I haven't been watching the comments, and we do have a few. I like to read them. The first one is actually kind of funny. Um, ever since that Christmas when he wore the hat, I can never see Patrick. Only Santa. I don't think we have a good response to that, so we're just gonna let it be there that it was said. Um, I do have somebody asking the same that yeah, he's a new home inspector in Florida. Yeah, don't look for me in your chimney. I won't be there, but I, I appreciate it. the comment. And he wants to get some advice on how to market my business. Um, my phone number is 630-372-700. That's my personal cell phone number. Send me a text. Just give me a few more minutes till the show's over. And we'll sit down, we'll talk, and I'll share with you what Chicagoland Home Inspectors does. Do a radio show. Do a radio show. Uh, Joe. Joey's listening, and our thoughts and, and prayers are with you and your daughter, Joey. But he made a good comment about um, bankruptcy and foreclosure. If a foreclosure mor- mortgage was included in Chapter 7 bankruptcy and not reaffirmed, your derogatory waiting period is for conventional um, is going to be four years instead of seven for a foreclosure. All right. So everything that you could do to know 
these rules and know the laws and get good advice from qualified people, and I'm pointing to Patrick and Beth and also you, Joey, um, all of these things, you know, the more you know, the more you're worth and the better everything goes for you. And and sometimes it's difficult to, you know, how, how do I know if if I got a good real estate agent or how do I know if I have a good real estate attorney or a home inspector? You know, you're interviewing all these people, you know, and, and my favorite words are always going to be why choose me? So, Beth, I'm going to throw those words at you. Why should somebody choose you? What makes you better than the other 80,000 licensed real estate agents in Illinois? Boy, well, if I I haven't proved that I'm a total dork when it comes to analyzing real estate, um, I think that's a big thing. You did here, but I guess the reformat my question is, what if one of our listeners wants to hire real estate agents? What should they ask them? Um, so I would say a couple of things. Number one, just flat out how many homes have you sold in the past year? It's super basic, but it never gets asked. And it's okay. very important. I just went on a listing appointment um, where um, property canceled. I am the second realtor in and I, I knew who they used for the first time. And I ended up telling that client, I was like, your agent has sold one house on a rolling 12. Your house. Yeah. No, because it didn't sell. Oh. <laughs> right? So, like, that's important. And the and the gal was frustrated that she wasn't getting great advice. And I'm like, well, it's because she's only she's brand, probably brand new, which is fine, right? Everybody's got to start somewhere. It's okay, but it's so important. That's such a major decision that if somebody's going to be just starting out, they probably want to have, like, a mentor or something like that with them. Um, so that's number one. Beth, real quick, give us your website and your phone number again. Yeah, 847-668-BETH, or 2384. And our new website is chicago.livianhomes.com. Chicago.livianhomes, L-I-V-I-A-N, homes.com. You got it. And Patrick, how do they get hold of you if anybody has any questions? You can call or text 773-632-632. And Joey's going to always be available at 630-235-2405. Repeating, 630-245. I'm sorry, 630-235-2405. And our company is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. Our website is The Home inspectors that's plural ors and it's a dot com and patrick i kind of interrupted you a little bit do you remember what you were going to say yeah um before you move on to number two i just wanted to point out um in in case uh, this detail gets lost and that is not only asking about your uh the the potential prospective real estate brokers experience but the experience that they have recently in this market uh, I don't want to know that you've sold X amount of real estate over 20 years. Yeah, everybody's sold. Or the last two years. Um, you know, everybody was busy then. The, uh, you know, what is your experience in this market, in these conditions? Um, you know, I would say especially so in, in the topsy-turvy. But the, I, I don't want to say that because that's, I think... I don't use this word often and mean it. It's always the case that what's happening now is going to be most relevant as opposed to what happened back then. Yeah, you're spot on. You want to know that someone can navigate through what's happening right now. Now, you talked about using MRED, MLS, but something that we didn't really touch on, and and I think this goes to both of you two, and I'd love to hear your discussion on this one. You you mentioned something about showing time Mm -hmm. and using that as a tool. Secret weapon. Secret weapon. All right, nuggets. People don't know. This is like my little trick. But you can go on to showing time, and you can see how many showing. You can. It's it's hard, but if you drill down enough, you can nine times out of ten figure out how many showings a listing may have going on, which could influence many things. Number one, if you're repping a buyer, um, how strong that offer should look. Um, number two, as a seller, what the demand may be in your price point. 
Um, so I think that data is very telling, and I don't think there's many people that know that it exists, and it's cool. It's very cool. That, that is interesting. Um, I've heard rumors that, uh, you know, some, mm, let's say, uh, sne of the sneakier uh, brokers might try to manipulate that data. Have you ever heard anything like I, that? I honestly never heard it. Like, until you brought it up, I'd never heard of it. And I don't know. I just... <laughs> All right. I don't I want to perpetuate. Like, I don't want to give anyone any ideas. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've, I've heard rumors, you know. Wow. No, but blocking things down stuff, we could say it, you know, and stuff like you got to be cautious. Nothing is ever 100 percent. That's the bottom line. True. You know, and, and we always want to learn as much as we can. We want to trust as much as we can. But we need to verify, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's vitally important. I think where this stuff comes in here. Um so we are getting towards the end of our time here, and I'd like to go around the horn just one more time. But And Beth, we're going to – actually, I'm not going to start with you, Beth. I'm going to start with Patrick because he has a better, better handle on the question I'm going to ask. Um, words of wisdom, all right, to a potential buyer about choosing an attorney, what would be one of the top question or questions that somebody should ask? Uh, I, I said it before, and I will I will repeat myself. Mm -hmm. I want to know that that lawyer is handling primarily real estate transactions. The more areas that you're dabbling in, we 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 all have limited amounts of time. We all have limited energy. We only have but, one size brain. Yeah, you, you only know? have so much. Our capacities are at, at some point limited. Um, so, for example, me. I'd say that 95%, if not more, of my practice is residential real estate. It's really all I want to do. Um, I've, That's nice. I, I, I've thought about adding other practice areas, and I just decided I don't want to do that. And so instead, I come meet with you every Wednesday morning, and we talk real estate. So You know what? But you're passionate about it, and all that shows. How do people get hold of you, Patrick? Uh, call or text 773-632. <laughs> And Beth, Beth thinks I'm just pointing at the the, the air. Of course, I didn't know uh, what you were doing. My, my it's <laughs> right there is where my phone number is. It's the same on, on the yours. screen. It's uh, for the videotape part. So, uh, <laughs> 773 There it is. Text. And Beth, I'm going to throw the same question at you. If you could give words of wisdom. You know, to whether it's a real estate agent or a vendor, such as a home inspector, attorney, mortgage broker, what what one golden nugget can you share? Ooh. Other than the showing time, which, by the way, was a good golden Ooh, nugget. Ooh, that was good. I, w I wasted that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, we can edit that out, so okay. you can keep All right. the golden nugget. All right. Now, experience matters. It does. Just find someone that you know, like, and trust and that you really can count on them and their, their expertise and experience. Sounds good. And with home inspectors, the best advice I could give you is to check reviews, all right, mm. and see what past customers say. Because, quite frankly, in real estate, the bar to entry is very low. So we're running out of time. If you want to get hold of Beth, her phone number is 847-668-2384. If you want to get hold of myself, it's area code 312-544-9180. Special thank you to Devin Tingle, our producer, and Bernie. I know you're listening. Love you. And this is Charlie, and I'm out. Mm -hmm.